Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. And hey girl, hey, I'm Julie Bender. Julie, weddings, I mean, yours was what, a little over a year ago now? I feel like year and a half-ish. Yeah, is it that long? I I, think so. I don't know. I'm mom brain. (laughs) Yeah, mine was a thousand years ago. Um, But you know, weddings are pretty special events and they can be drama, they can be exciting, they can be expensive, Mm, or doesn't matter. Stressful, true, very much so. And yet there's some traditions that we all have, but you know what, there's some unusual traditions that I found I found a little bit interesting. Ooh, like what? Tell me some. Do you know the English believe that finding a spider in your wedding dress brings good luck? Well, that seems odd. Is that common or it's I don't uncommon? know. Are I don't there know. spiders all around England or I know. something? Is that a thing where it was happening so much that they try to make it seem positive? Kind you of know, like rain on be. your wedding day in Southwest Florida? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. You know, a lot, of, a lot of women might be afraid of them and run out of the building. I don't know. Hmm. Apparently, Greek brides tucked a lump of sugar into their wedding gown, believing that it would bring sweetness to the marriage. Where would they put the sugar? I have no idea. But I would probably... Or is it like those little cubes that you put in your coffee, maybe? Uh, yeah. Pro- I would think it would have to be that. It couldn't be a spoonful. Where yeah, you like that just that? feels like gritty, grainy. I yeah. don't know. And I think I would just grab it and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, here's a good one. Engagement rings are worn on the left finger because it's believed that the vein ran from that finger directly to the heart. I think I knew this and then forgot it. So that was sweet to hear again. Yeah, and it was believed. So I didn't really research to see if that was true. (laughs) I believe it. Okay, okay. (laughs) Um, Did you know why the groom carries the bride across the threshold? No, I always thought that was just the weirdest thing, actually. But no, I didn't. It's to protect her against spirits from below. I'm trying to remember if Donnie carried me across the threshold. I'm like, crap, I don't think he did. We're going to have to replay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dan didn't me. I can't even imagine him doing that. Um, But I can't imagine you letting him do that. You're probably right. That's the bigger (laughs) issue, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, But the truth is, is weddings are just the beginning of your marriage relationship. And honestly, sometimes our marriage faces a lot more hurdles that can be hard to overcome. Yeah, there are. And there are normal hurdles that all of us have. How to, you know, coexist, how to share. (laughs) Communication. Communication, compromise, all of that. But occasionally marriages uh, hit harder things. Mm -hmm. They may face infidelity or pornography addiction or some of the big issues that really, really can cause damage to a relationship. Keeping that in mind and knowing that a lot of our friends and listeners may at some point in their marriage face one of these struggles, we wanted to bring someone in who's been through this and can give us personal experience on how to work through those types of things in your marriage. So today's guest is Cindy Beal. She's a wife, a mother of three sons, and the author of Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken and Rebuilding a Marriage Better Than New. Cindy and her husband Chris serve in full-time ministry, where they are pastors at Life Church. They love working out, traveling to Colorado, spending time with friends, and going to the lake. Welcome, Cindy. It's really good to have you part of this Grit and Grace Life. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. 
We talked a little bit before you got on, Julie and I did, about weddings, because that's the beginning of a marriage. Is there anything in your wedding day or leading up to it that was fun or exciting or unusual? I will say unusual because, well, maybe not unusual for Texas, because that's where I was born and raised, but... Mm -hmm. The morning of my wedding day, it was 72 degrees. It was January the 9th. And so it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we left that night, it was 32 degrees. So a cold front came in. So we were so cold and we didn't, I don't think we paid attention that that was coming. So that's a little bit of a surprise. That's quite a swing. Wow. (laughs) We're dressed for winter that day, obviously. (laughs) So are you still in Texas now? No, we're in Oklahoma. Nice. We've been here for about two decades, 20 years now. So Awesome. Well, after the incredible weather change on your wedding day, you went on to embrace married life. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the struggles you experienced and you know the lessons that you've learned that our listeners can glean from. But let's hear a little bit about your marriage story. Obviously, you came across the news that there was infidelity in your marriage. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how that came to be, how you found out. Yeah. So we had been married, um, nine years by the time all of this story had started unfolding. And so it was February of 2002 and we had just moved. We had been in Texas for a few years and then, cause we were both, you know, raised there. And then we went to Tennessee for four years and actually helped kind of start with a smaller church, a new startup. And then we came to Oklahoma. And so six weeks of being in Oklahoma, February 19th, 2002, I remember it vividly. He came home from, from work because he was a worship pastor at Life Church under uh, the leadership of Craig and Amy Groeschel. And so he came home that morning and he confessed to me. He basically said, hey, we need to talk. And, you know, anytime you hear those words, we need to talk, that's that's not hopeful usually. Mm-hmm. And so he proceeded to tell me he'd been unfaithful to me many times, many different places with many different women. And I'd come to find out in the following hours that it wasn't like the first nine years of our marriage was all a sham. It was about a two and a half year period where things just spiraled out of control. And where that stemmed from you guys is, is not an inappropriate relationship with a friend. It wasn't an office romance. It was a deep seated issue with pornography Mm -hmm. that just continued to spiral out of control. And we know how sin is Sin gets, um, it, it wants what it wants. And so we start feeding it and just gets out of control. And so that was my day in February of 02. And as your listeners, as you guys can imagine, it was devastating um beyond anything I could have even thought I could process through or walk through or navigate. I can't imagine, Cindy. And I think, you know, all of the emotions that day and thereafter have to be colliding. You know, it's not, you didn't start the marriage for it to fall apart, but here you are faced with that. And I, you know, I, I'd probably immediately say, just get out of my life, get out of my face, right? just leave now. And, and how did you handle that? Well, I definitely thought, okay, this is it. You know, this is my get out of jail free card. Um, I'm probably going to walk away. And immediately, I'm a bit of a planner. I like to have my ducks in a row. I like it when other people have their ducks in a row. (laughs) And so um, 
but I remember thinking, okay, because at that point I was a stay-at-home mom to our three-year-old. We only had one son. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I'm going to have to go back to teaching because I have a teaching degree and I'm going to have to go live with my mom because I probably can't afford to manage single motherhood on my own. So I just kind of started down that path of, well, this is probably going to be the way it is. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so immediately that was my thought. But but what I want everybody to understand is that, you know, Chris confessed, he came to me, he came to a place in his life where he was, um, he could not live this way anymore. He did not want to be in this place of bondage. And so I saw a man who I thought, well, I'm done. You, I've got to leave you. But I saw this man totally repentant. Like I, I have yet to see anyone else in my life in the last two decades who has a repentant heart like my husband and who walked in humility and brokenness over, you know, what he'd done to the name of Jesus, what he'd done to our church, what he'd done to me, our family, um, the kids we were ministering to as youth pastors. And so um, there was a brokenness there. And so there was this internal wrestle of like, well, maybe I should give this another try. So that was the beginnings of, of all of that that came out that day. So it, appears and obviously seems, you know, to be true that you did choose to stay and work on the marriage. So we'd love to, you know, kind of take that direction with the conversation and, you know, for the listener who has experienced some form of betrayal, some form of lost trust in her marriage, how could she begin to consider rebuilding instead of walking away? So what was the first step um, that you took to rebuild trust in your relationship? I would say it was just accepting this is where I am. Like, this is real that we are in this place. Trust is broken. And just accepting that fact alone. Um, I think what happens is I've seen over the years, as Chris and I have ministered to couples, you hear about it. Somehow your trust is broken, whether it's uh, infidelity or some other kind of issue. And you, you still try to treat your spouse as if you're, and then like, you still trust them and you're mad when they do something again, or you're mad that they don't act in the way you think they should as someone you trust. And it's like, just accept that. Like that's, you know, accepting the issue so that you can start to move forward. And so I finally just had to understand, okay, this is it. Like, I don't trust him. I don't trust him farther than I could throw him. Uh, so what am I going to do next? So I think that was a, I think that, brought healing quicker than I really expected it to when I just accepted that reality. Mm, I can't imagine knowing the trust is broken and then saying it's got to be rebuilt. It's got to be turned back to where I trust you again if this marriage is ever going to last. But I don't. I don't trust you. What was his response to you don't trust him anymore? Well, he was... Um, it was remarkable. He literally said this phrase to me. He said, I know you don't trust me and I know you probably never will. He said, but if you will give me a chance, I will spend the rest of my life trying to earn it back. And, you know, when you hear that, you're like, oh, well, that sounds really great. And we know humans, we tend to be all in. And then over time, it kind of like wanes and goes away. Not once, not once has he stopped trying to 
um, earn my trust. Now, granted, he still will do things here and there now. And I'm like, it's fine, babe, we're good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's it's been 20 years. But in, I mean, there were so many things he, he will tell people. He always tried to stay ahead of where I might struggle. So if he knew he had to work late at church, something, maybe there was some kind of you know, some kind of meeting or whatever, he would always try to think, okay, Cindy could struggle here. And so I remember one night he was working late and they were setting up for some big event. And he had one of his coworkers call me, someone who reported to him. So my husband was the boss and someone who reported to him, he had him call me from his own phone and said, hey, I just want you to know we got Chris and we're just working and we should be out of here in the next hour. And so I didn't ask him to do that. He just started thinking, how is Cindy potentially going to struggle? What can I do to alleviate that? You know, I want to sidebar here because not all men in this situation are going to do this. They're not going to come to you first and they're not going to say, I will spend the rest of my life rebuilding the trust. And that we will have listeners out there that are dealing with that. And I know you've, you've spoken to this for a lot of years, Cindy. So what would you say to them? Well, I would say, um, you know, I do know and recognize what a gift. Yes, I was wounded deeply, but what a gift I have and that my husband was had the mindset and the heart posture that he has and had and still does. And so I recognize that. And so my hope is that that example of my husband can encourage other husbands and wives Mm -hmm. to know what kind of heart posture to have. And so as far as like, you know, let me just talk to the woman who might be sitting there thinking, wow, my husband is defensive. You know, my husband isn't willing to do these hard things. And I always tell them, you know, time will tell, even if they speak it in the beginning, like I'm willing to do this, but time will tell if they're really willing to put forth the effort. And I would say this, you know, a lot of people assume that I'm the person who is like, you need to stay married at all costs. Um, And that's not my job. That's not my job to tell someone to stay married or to walk away. But I will tell them this, you both have to be all in and willing to do whatever it takes to make your marriage work. And if that's not the case, um, then you've got some choices to make with your God about what what your next step is. You mentioned that, you know, only time will tell. And I think that is so crucial and so true. And, you know, you're kind of just offering some insight here to someone whose husband or the wife who is in this place and her husband is, you know, the opposite. Is there some sort of guideline of timeline you would give to somebody to say, you know, if they're not immediately repentant and wanting to make changes, is there some sort of time frame that seems reasonable or, you know, that they should be thinking yeah. through? You know, it's hard because we know people, people are different. Everybody has different, there's different time frames, different situations. But I think one of the best pieces of advice that I got from a a mentor in my life in that time when I was trying to figure things out, it was literally within the first probably two weeks of finding out, he just looked at me and he said, you don't have to decide the rest of your life today. That was very monumental to me because I thought, well, you've already stole some of my life from me by by hurting me in this way. I don't want you to steal anymore. Mm. But at the end of the day, that was really wise counsel for me. And it allowed me to just take some time. And I thought, okay, 
I don't have to decide if I'm going to leave him today. So that's what I would say to the listeners is every situation is going to be different, but that is why you must spend time with God and, and hear from him instead of running from him, run to him, let him guide you. And he will show you over time. And it's, you know, for me, I always tell people, where do you sense God's peace? Like, you've got paths to take, right? There's choices we have in life. Where do you sense God's peace the most? And sometimes it is in walking away, um, whether forever or for a season to to see what's going to happen. Um, but you know, you can't fight and work on your marriage by yourself. You know, in that situation, I imagine you're looking for help. You're looking for some source of support to get me through this, where do you suggest that they go, Cindy? You know, I mean, obviously, as I mentioned, running running to God. I mean, I had, a, I would say my relationship with God was strong because while I didn't know what was happening in this season when Chris was um, being unfaithful, I knew something was wrong and I felt alone. Mm-hmm. And so I ran to God then. And so I continued to do that. I had people in my life. God brought us some mentors that I write about in the book. We had our pastors and then all of our staff that, you know, we were at a church leading worship. And when he confessed to me, that was gone. And we still came back and we're still a part of the church. And then God brought him back on the team 18 months later. So like we had people in our corner praying for us and cheering us on. But at the end of the day, my source of strength and comfort came from God. It came from running to him in the middle of my darkest pain, especially when I kind of thought, okay, God, why did you let this happen? You know, running to God, even when you have questions and it was okay for me to bring him my questions, but I don't really feel like I ever questioned him necessarily. I didn't question his sovereignty. I didn't question his love for me because I knew it was there, but I still asked him some questions if that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So assuming this is something I may face in my marriage one day, or I'm, you know, a listener who's experiencing this, or again, we've said it could be something similar, but different in that trust has been broken. When that happens, we certainly need to communicate with our spouse. But then there's the question of how do we handle that? You know, are there questions that, you know, we should or shouldn't ask? How do we handle communication through this difficult time? Yeah, I, I we always talk to people about being completely honest and transparent with each other. So for us, for Chris and me, nothing was off limits. So back when this happened in 2002, neither of us had a smartphone. I mean, I think he had a flip phone, maybe. I'm not real sure. Um, it just wasn't quite like it is today. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, he, was, he wasn't allowed to get on computers. But when he did, and over the years, like if he picks up my phone, I don't forget, I pick up his phone. Everything is open to one another. When we ask each other questions, we have to be completely honest. So if I ask him, babe, do I look good in this dress? I have to be prepared for what he's going to say. And so I don't ask that question too often because, you know, I'm a grandmother now and I'm like, I don't really want to know. I'm just going to wear black. So, but, um, but my point is that, you know, we have to be willing to lay it all out so that we can begin to rebuild. Um, you know, when I think about a lot of times in the rebuilding, especially when there's betrayal, um, there are 
questions we want to ask. We want to know, at least in my case, I wanted to know when did he fool me? Like, what was I doing when you were betraying me? Was I cooking dinner? Was I cleaning your laundry? Was What was I doing? And so we start to ask these questions and we want to know. And then as women who um, maybe we feel insecure about how we look, we want to know, well, what, what did she do different? You know, so there's some really unhealthy things that we can begin to go down a path and ask questions about. And so when I talk about, you know, what questions to ask, I would just, this is your litmus test. Is the answer to this question going to help your healing or hinder it? Yeah. That, that was a big part of my healing was, okay, I wanted to know what she looked like. It's probably not going to help my healing. I want to know what was your mindset when you started down this path that might help you know, for us to kind of begin to rebuild there. So uh, that's what I would say about your know, communication and honesty and, and um, just beginning that journey of transparency. Oh, Cindy, I love that. Cause I think as women, at least for me, I would, I would want to know everything about everything and you shouldn't, you shouldn't know everything about everything because all of a sudden you are replaying things in your mind that don't need to reside there if your marriage is going to heal. You need to block those out, not nurture them and ponder them. They don't need to be there in the first place. Yeah, so true. Julie asked a little bit about time and when you can decide what to do. What about time for healing? How how long can you expect it to take or are there expectations that you shouldn't even have? You know, I think the question that I always have asked over the years is, is there complete healing this side of heaven? Mm. Like, you know, sometimes I wonder that. And I think, or are we going to be really, really pretty close to being healed in all areas of our lives? Um, And then one day with Jesus, you know, the new body and all that, that happens. Um, So I've kind of wrestled with that. But I would say for me, I do believe we can be pretty dead gum healed on this earth. And so Chris and I, I would say we are healed as much as we can be on this earth. But here's what's super awesome about ministering from a place that once held great pain, which is what we do. Every time I tell the story, every time Chris and I meet with a couple, or every time I'm reminded of what God has done, even in this podcast interview, like, there's more healing that takes place that I didn't even know really needed. It's just the, it's the joy of the truth from second Corinthians one, three and four, that says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in our troubles as we comfort others. So every time I comfort someone else in that struggle that I've once been through, there's more healing. Um, And so one of the things I tell people on the healing journey is that they may look at this especially in the early days you know it's just a mess you're it's like trauma in the er you know Mm. that's what you feel like your marriage is but what happens is a month down the road you still see so much debris you know relational debris and you think we haven't gotten anywhere and so i always tell people just glance back just look in the rearview mirror and just glance back and see how far you've come in a month. And that will actually show, okay, we are making progress. It doesn't feel like it when I look around me, but when I look back and glance, you know, that's, that's very helpful. To provide hope for women who are in this place, 
you know, I know for my marriage when we've, you know, I've been blessed and have not dealt with that, Cindy, but, you know, when we've faced our own struggles, when we work through them, our marriage became stronger and healthier and more hopeful and more transparent. Would you say that's true for you too, just to provide a little bit of future hope for women out there? Yeah, I can't believe that I have the marriage I have. Um, there are people who have joined our team at Life Church over the years who didn't, who weren't here when we went through that back all those years ago. And so when he tells his story, you would, if you could see the look on people's faces, mm-hmm. they can't believe it. Like mm-hmm. they're like, that was you. And so I just want your listeners, I want anyone to feel the hope that God is in the business of restoring people. Now, he's not going to just force it on us. We have to participate in the healing and the growth. But let me tell you, he is true to his word. He makes all things new. And I'm living proof in our marriages as well. I know you've written a couple books that share in more detail your story, the process of healing, providing, you know, maybe some of the questions we didn't have time today to answer. Can you tell us a little bit about where we can find your books? Yeah, you probably the best place is Amazon. You know, that's kind of like the the hub for <laughs> everything in life. Fast. <laughs> so yeah, you could just go Google my name or put the uh, search my name or search the book title at Amazon. Awesome. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for being willing to come and share this. I hope that as our friends have listened today, um, they're they're open to hope for restoration and healing and rebuilding trust in their marriage. So we thank you for your willingness and your honesty. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. We really love what Cindy brought to us today and provided some hope in this scenario of betrayal. But there's something, Julie, and I want you to know, whether your husband came to you fully acknowledging what he had just done, the betrayal that he had done for against you, or whether he didn't, you found out some other way, and your marriage doesn't look like it's going to be healed or wasn't healed. You know what? Both of those scenarios are very real. Mm -hmm. And we want you to know both of those scenarios can actually find healing and hope, which brings me to a Bible verse that I think speaks to that. And it's in the book of Psalms 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up our wounds. And it doesn't matter whether the other person provides Mm -hmm. their part of the healing or not. God still will. I'll be pondering some of the things that Cindy shared with us. And I just want to leave you with these reminders that with these reminders from this time, the first step to rebuilding trust in a relationship that has some brokenness is accepting, understanding that the trust has been broken. She told us that our best place to run when trying to rebuild trust with our significant other is actually to God because he is the only one who is 100% trustworthy. She cautioned us that we should be open and transparent in our communication, but also be willing to limit the questions that we ask, reminding us to ask this question, is this going to help or hinder my healing? So if you find yourself in this situation, we strongly encourage you to go check out cindybeal.com. You can get her books, like she said, on Amazon. And of course, there are plenty of other resources at gritandgracelife.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. 
You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.